Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, Teresa, have you got any cool Star Wars stuff lately? I got the Smuggler's Bounty Resistance box. Oh, yeah? How are those? Well, they're awesome. They're, you're, I'm good taking it. You're not getting the Funko Smuggler's Bounty subscription box. I am not. Is that so a resistance box that's like a theme? Is, is it like a yeah, different they, theme every time they send you a box? They do a theme. They've only done two. So the first one was the first order. And I got lucky and was one of the 300 people to get the exclusive TIE Fighter Pilot limited to 300 release. So that's pretty awesome. Whoa. What was exclusive about this TIE Fighter Pilot? The one that you can buy in the stores is just solid black helmet. And you know from the movie, there's the TIE Fighter Pilot with the red stripes. They made that as a pop vinyl, but exclusive to the smuggler's bounty box and they only made 300 of them wow yeah that's pretty cool and then they did a captain phasma for the first order box that is completely chrome like she's shiny as opposed to the one they sell which is like matte so you got both the exclusive and the captain phasma Right. Well, they they're both exclusive to the Smuggler's Bounty Box. Like they, you can only get them through there. But the Tie Fighter Pilot, you would either get the regular tie or the one in three hundred tie. Uh-huh. And I got the one in three hundred tie. So how was the Resistance Box? The Resistance Resistance Box was interesting. Um, I didn't know it was going to be in it. It had BB-8 as the like printed image on the box but there was no bb-8 in the box so boo but that's okay because they did a exclusive chewbacca pop vinyl where he's flocked which means so the chewy they sell in the stores is not fuzzy and this one is fuzzy so he gets dirty faster no he's cute and fuzzy yeah but the fuzziness (laughs) will get dirty faster than plastic would uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, you live in a world with children, so maybe that's true. Yes, I don't yeah, know. That's I true. Don't know. You live and in a world with cats. I do live in a world with cats, so I'll let you know. <laughs> and then you get a shirt in every box, and so I'm actually wearing the shirt that I got right now, and it's got, it says Star Wars The Force Awakens. It's in a, like, sort of blue color. And it has Pop Vinyl Chewy, Old Han, Ray, Finn, Poe, BB-8, Falcon, and X-Wing, all in like shades of blue and white and gray. And it says Star Wars The Force Awakens. So you've now gotten two boxes. Are you? Do you think it's worth it? Is it worth the subscription? It's the only Star Wars subscription box I would ever get. Like, it's awesome. I used to get Loot Crate, and Loot Crate started getting kind of... I don't know, just sort of boring and the stuff in it wasn't so good. This, you get at least like $50 worth of Funko merchandise for 25 bucks. Hmm. So I think it's pretty good. And then the other cool thing is they released a 
line, I guess, called Funko Pop Home. And it was a mug, and it's a good-sized mug of C-3PO, as the his head, Funko Pop head. And the handle on it is red, like his arm. And then it says on the back of the mug box to be on the lookout for the entire line of Star Wars housewares from Funko. Star Wars Bookworms, Episode 51, brought to you by Funko. <laughs> right. <laughs> when we're sponsored, yeah. not really. If we talk about them enough, maybe they'll start sending us free boxes. That'd be great. That's not going to happen. <laughs> like, even Steve Sansweet has to pay for his box. Ah. Uh, so, I've heard him talk about it. Now so they just I... need to start, like, a, uh, a Star Wars books-themed crate where they just send us the books in a big crate with cool collectibles. Yeah, hey, Erish, if you're listening, which I know you do, y'all need to do a book subscription box and you can partner with Marvel or something. It's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. A Star Wars literature subscription where they send you, like, all the new books and, like, comic trades as they come out, but you don't have to, like, go to the store. They just ship it right to you. I don't know about that. That makes it less interesting. Like, maybe there's a book that you get, like, way before it's supposed to be out or, like, uh... Or something i don't know no, i have no could, idea how it they could come with like cool, cool collectibles like p- those patches that they gave out at new york comic-con or pins or cool bookmarks it wouldn't just be books oh okay see where you're going with that Ooh, bookmarks you said that <laughs> i obviously was not listening <laughs> So anyway, yeah, this is episode 51 of Star Wars Bookworms. No, we are not sponsored by anybody. We just like to come up with cool ideas. So if you're not getting this fun- the Funko Smuggler's Bounty Box, you should. And next month, it- the theme is Cantina. Well, what are we talking about on this episode of Star Wars Bookworms? What book are we talking about? Aftermath. Whee! Aftermath, yeah. We finally got there. See, this, was, this is actually, people might be thinking right now, like aftermath that came out in september but True. this this was kind of planned this way i would say because we wanted to wait until the movie until the force awakens came out to talk about aftermath so we could talk about it with a little bit better context mm-hmm. so although yes we are a little behind this was kind of intentional I mean, we're not really behind. It's just that we chose to do things a little bit differently. And I may have pushed for Lost Stars to be done first. <laughs> but we are we are getting to Aftermath. That will be we'll be reviewing that later on in the episode. Uh, but before we get to that, I think there's been a little bit of book news, uh, some new releases that have been discovered. Right. So let's talk about the Ray ones first. You actually have one of them because it came out on December 18th. I am waiting on mine from barnesandnoble.com. It'll be here soon. But it's Star Wars The Force Awakens Ray's Survival Guide uh, that was written by Jason Fry. And it's very similar to the Ezra's Journal book and Sabine's Sketchbook, correct? Yeah. It's pretty much in that same vein. Um a little bit different style, but yeah, for the most part, it's it's that same kind of book. So from the Amazon.com's uh, description, it is complete with stories, secrets, and insights. This guide will immerse readers in the world of Star Wars The Force Awakens. Discover what you need to survive the hostile planet Jakku. What secrets lurk in the ship graveyard? What do you want to salvage? 
What Should You Avoid to Stay Alive includes gatefolds with exclusive artifacts, including starship schematics and more. Personally, I think that's awesome. And I really liked Ezra's journal quite a bit. And I know we were a little bit hired on Sabine's sketchbook, and it was just purely because of, you know, taste and what we wanted to see. But so far, what are you thinking of Ray's journal or Ray's survival guide? Um, I like it a lot. It's um, it's got a lot of kind of handwritten stuff, um, a lot of sketches. Apparently, she's a bit of an artist, um, and yeah, different schematics that she pulled out of ships. That's kind of in here. So yeah, it's it's a really good book. I think it's got some cool information, um, similar information that you'd learn from the Visual Dictionary. So if you have the Visual Dictionary and you've already read that, you'll find that a lot of it's kind of duplicate kind of information, but just in a different format. Um, but yeah, overall, I've really liked it. Cool. The book sells for $9.99, but you can get it on Amazon right now for $8.06. And there's, you know, you, there's some of the other, like, used and new and stuff from other sellers. But from Amazon, it's $8.06. Sort of a weird price, but all right. Now, the second thing is something that just got announced this week. It is Star Wars The Force Awakens Raised Story coming from Disney Press. And it is a paperback, and it will be out on February 16th of 2016, and it's written by Elizabeth Schaefer. It's got a really cool picture of Ray on the front with sort of that Tatooine sky sunset coloring behind her, or I guess we could say Jakku. But I think more people understand <laughs> the coloring I'm going for if I say Tatooine. But the description is, Ray never thought she would leave the desert planet of Jakku, but her life is turned upside down when she meets BB-8, a small droid with a big secret. Like it or not, Ray is about to be caught up in something much larger than herself, a galactic war between the evil First Order and the fledgling Resistance. But something is awakening inside of Ray, something that might turn the tides of the fortune in the galaxy. So basically, we're looking at kind of Ray's story in the force awakens so maybe a retelling of her story from her point of view something like that do you know if this is uh written at the junior level or is it the young readers level honestly i'm not sure but judging from looking at it and it coming from disney press i'm thinking that it's probably not lost stars like not young adult but more along the lines of the Rebels novels we've been reading, the Zerleonis books. Okay. Maybe something like that. So maybe junior. Maybe like, like young reader, junior novel-ish. It's only five ninety nine, and it's on pre-order on Amazon. Hmm. These are ones that I don't get as excited for when it's retelling, um, even though it's from her point of view. So there's probably going to be some, you know, interesting tidbits or new information. Um, when it's the retelling of something, it's not as exciting. Like when they do the, those little books that are the retelling of a certain rebels episode, I typically skip those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I want it because it's Ray and considering we're asking for more Ray in the community today with, hashtag where's ray uh i want to prove that like her stuff will sell no matter what it is you whether it's toys or clothes or books or whatever so i feel like it's important for everybody to pick this up just to show that like the community wants more ray and wants 
stuff to be focused on who it should be focused on the lead of the story rather than you know the villain dude or whatever dude (laughs) well it's just you know stuff i've read about like how things went down in meetings and how people in who are in those higher up positions honestly think that a boy wouldn't want and be given a Ray toy at Christmas, they would want a Kylo Ren instead. And my six-year-old nephew and even your son love Ray. And, like, they would be ecstatic about getting something Ray-related. So, I don't know. I just feel like it's important for us to go and buy it. So maybe you should buy it, and then you can read it to your son. <laughs> I will. I will do that. He would be more excited if I got him a BB-8 book. Are they doing a BB-8 book? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so then the third thing coming from Disney is Star Wars The Force Awakens Storybook. It's a hardcover by Elizabeth Schaefer. This one actually does not have any sort of a synopsis or anything for us to go off of other than the really cool cover, which is Kylo Ren unhelmeted from the scene on Star Killer Base with Ray when they're fighting and he has her kind of like pushed over a ledge and he's putting pressure on her and she's, you know, bending backwards um, right before she kind of goes all amazing and like kicks him and stuff. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that, you know, they were trying to be so secretive with all the books that were leading up to the force awakens and, you know, they weren't giving us much information um, especially in the cover art, you're not, you know, they even gave us the misdirect in the movie poster where, you know, we all thought Finn was the, the force user because he had the Correction. lightsaber. Okay. When I say we all, I just mean generally not, I'm not including you in that, Teresa. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of cool now that, you know, the cat's out of the bag, uh, so to speak. And a lot of these, you know, a lot of this stuff is now general knowledge because everybody's gone and seen The Force Awakens more than once. Um, not can, everybody. If everybody had, we'd have like four or five billion dollar box office numbers. But we're still like right below two billion. So the rest of you people I think that it's are not the international. listening to, that are not listening to this. It's the international crowd. The uh, I think the U.S. crowd did their part. We we surpassed Avatar domestically. That's true. So, uh, but I'm need... just saying this message goes out to all the people who don't care and are not listening to this. Go see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> But what I was getting at is it's cool now that, you know, they can show Rey on the cover of a book with a lightsaber. You know, they can show her fighting Kylo Ren on the cover of a book. I think that's that's pretty cool. It is. But, you know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because, as we know, the Star Wars little golden books that are retelling the stories of the, all the movies. They've been doing, like, episode one, two, three, four, five, and six. And I still need to get those, by the way. But the... Little Golden Book for The Force Awakens is coming out on April 12th of 2016. Um, the author is being listed as Golden Books, and the illustrator is Caleb Muir and Mickey Rose. But it's funny because the cover of The Force Awakens Little Golden Book has Rey with, in the front. She's front and center, but with her staff. Finn is behind her with the lightsaber. And then BB-8 is on the ground, and then sort of off in the sky in the distance is Kylo Ren with his lightsaber. So it's just kind of funny because you just said that, but yet on the little golden book cover, it's kind of like the poster all over again. Yeah. I mean, it is. I think it is fair that they have Finn in marketing with the lightsaber. I had an issue with it when they first you know, showed that poster, and people were like, oh, it's just a misdirect. He's not going to actually be a Force user, which was true. He wasn't a Force user. But... He does actually use a lightsaber in the movie 
um, a couple times. Um, so I think it's fair that he's carrying a lightsaber in marketing because it's not really false advertising because he does he does wield a lightsaber, um, mm-hmm. just not as effectively as a force user would. Right. And this one's actually, I might actually just get this off of uh, Amazon because the Force Awakens little golden book is only $4. It's list price is only $4.99, so you're saving $0.99. Cents. But there's some other cool ones that I just wanted to mention real quick. Uh, I know there was the ones that they're doing for the episodes, kind of retelling the story of Star Wars. But on January 5th, the little golden book called I Am a Droid came out, and it's got C-3PO, R2, and BB-8 on the front. So that might be a good one for Quinn because it's all about the droids, and he likes R2 as well. And it's uh, meet R2-D2, C-3PO, and all the loyal, droid, loyal droids from the epic Star Wars space saga. So that might be fun. And then there's another one that came out on January 5th as well that's called I Am a Jedi, and it's got Luke... Yoda on Luke and Yoda on the front and it says meet Luke Skywalker Obi-Wan Kenobi Yoda and all the brave Jedi from the epic Star Wars space saga and they're only like $3.80 on Amazon right now those are probably worth picking up I would say so I would buy them there's also I am a princess and I am a Sith which came out at the same time and I am a pilot so it looks like they've branched out from just doing the movie ones to doing some of these to introduce characters to the kiddos. So um, from there, you know, it's all of, after that, it's all of the movie retellings. So we've got I am a droid, I am a Jedi, I am a Sith, I am a pilot, and I am a princess. I want all of them. I am a Star Wars freak. <laughs> <laughs> they can write a book about you. All right. Well, there's some other stuff coming out. Um, coffee table books. And you love coffee table books. You like the big ones. Yeah. They're pretty much my favorite. So the first one that's coming out is from the well, these are both being published by Becker and Mayer. And the first one is called Star Wars on the Front Lines. And they both appeared in the book producers 2015 autumn catalog. So I'm sure they'll be coming out sometime soon, but I haven't seen these yet. So the first one is Star Wars on the Front Lines, and it says, Notes on the tactics, armor, and valor from galactic conflicts is a look at warfare in the galaxy far, far away from Daniel Wallace. So, yay, Dan. I'm so excited. I was wondering if he had anything coming soon. And it says, From the Clone Wars and the Rebellion to the clashes with the First Order, the galaxy is defined by war. Star Wars on the Front Lines chronicles the tactics, weapons, and armor used in pivotal battles along with profiling acts of valor. By focusing on elements of the battles that occurred off-screen, this collection brings the struggles faced by ground soldiers and starfighter pilots to life like never before and places the reader on the battle lines. That'll be interesting. So it sounds like it's kind of like how that's gonna go. the essential guide to warfare, except the canon version of it. <laughs> right. Which will be cool, because... I love the essential guides, but you know, as of now, all the essential guides are not canon. So it'll be cool to start getting the, you know, now that canon is being established, start getting these guides that actually will be canon. Right. And the second one is kind of my favorite type of book, was it, which is an in-universe book. You know, I love in-universe. 
And it's Star Wars Propaganda, written by Pablo Hidalgo. And its summary is, whether it's a Star Destroyer hovering over a planet or an X-Wing delivering a message of resistance, propaganda images have become synonymous with life in the galaxy far, far away. This in-world art book explores the creation and stories behind these images of power and persuasion, where the images appeared, why particular planets targeted, and who were the in-world artists behind the works. So that's cool. So we'll probably get a lot of Sabine artwork in there. Right. Maybe some I'm cool excited tattoo for that. ideas. Oh, yeah, that's always good. I'm excited for that. I love in-universe stories. They are the best. Yeah, and Pablo Hidalgo, I mean, he's he's on the story group, you know, so. He's like the head of the story group. Right. So he's, <laughs> you know, anything that he writes is, is going to be full of really cool information. Right. And the last book we have to talk about We've mentioned, I think, in a previous show, the short stories, ebook short stories that had started coming out last month. And I know I was sort of hesitant to read anything before the movie came out and before, like, when all these ebooks and stuff, I was just like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So I was waiting. And now I'm excited because they're going to be released in an actual book book. And I would love to get that. So it is. Landry Quinn Walker's Tales from a Galaxy Far, Far Away Aliens, and it collects the ebook short stories released in December and is supposed to contain two new stories. And it, it's listed as volume one. So I guess we'll see how that all goes down, but I'm t- totally getting that. And I love all the aliens on the cover. And what's that guy's name? The one that's on, on Jakku, the weird alien that is behind Ray in line to get her ration portions i don't remember his name i don't know something like babaloo or something yeah something like that (laughs) i have the visual guide here but i'm not gonna look it up i'm just gonna go with that name right that's great that's a perfect name it's close it's got it's something like that it's something like that that's the funny (laughs) thing so there are some things coming up i mean it's not necessarily novels but honestly I like getting this stuff that are shorter reads, more fun things. And now that everything is canon, I love getting all of this stuff to be able to get little bits and pieces here and there. And it's just, it's fun. It's like relearning the Star Wars universe. I know. It's so cool. It is. It's what I felt like when I read Aftermath. (laughs) I was like, I'm unlearning what I've learned. Is that our segue? Uh, not really, because we have to talk about the book club. I'm just, oh, yeah. it, just a, it was a thought. Ah, the book club. So we're like, we're up to, I think we're just past 450 members over at the book club. Yeah, yeah I had... I, and I asked a couple questions of our book club members today, because we're coming to the end of January. So we need to figure out what book we're doing for February. Yes, and well, for now we're doing the Force Awakens novelization. Um, by Alan Dean Foster. That's kind of what we've been reading through. There's a couple threads going on there. Um, yeah, I think you had just started a thread today. You know, if if you thought mm-hmm. uh, Alan Dean Foster was the right pick for the author, there's some interesting comments there. Um, also, uh, I started a thread about what what are some interesting new things that you learned from that that add on to the movie. Uh, so we got some some cool conversation going on there. So yeah, if if you guys haven't jumped into the book club yet or didn't realize we were talking about The Force Awakens, head on over to the book club. Um, that's at Goodreads. You should be able to find us just by searching Star Wars Bookworms and uh, come talk about the books with us. 
Yeah, and right now, like I said, we're trying to figure out just like what book we're going to do for February. And there's so many ways that we could go. We could go the obvious way of going straight to the Battlefront book, or we could go and do some of the young reader, like Journey to the Forest Awakens stuff, like Before the Awakening, or we could go back to Legends, or there's the Weapon of a Jedi Moving Target and Smuggler's Run books that we could do. So there's a lot of different ways that we could go. So we need your opinions on that. And then we can pick a book and we'll do a poll and pick a book. Yeah. We have a we have a couple weeks, right, until February starts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's never so. too early to start voting. <laughs> yeah, so we'll <laughs> we'll figure that out. We'll get we'll definitely pick a book for February. And then um I think it'd be cool if we did one of the you know, maybe one of the Weapon of a Jedi, Moving Target, Smuggler's Run, something like that. One of the maybe younger um, junior novelizations. We've I don't think we've ever really done one of those for the book club. So that could no, be that could be a nice have. change. Yeah. So I think now we're going to talk about aftermaths. So, but before we do, for new listeners, we do have a spoiler policy on the show. If we are reviewing it, there will be spoilers. Yeah. That is our spoiler policy. Simple, yeah. That's our simple spoiler policy. I mean, basically, we, we do, we're, a, a, we want to wait until the book has been out a while. But in this case, the book has been out since September. So um, usually we wait we, at least a month, but at this right. this case we met we we waited a few months. Right, and you know with a lot of these Journey of the Force Awakens books and then all the books that are going to be coming out, probably talking about Rogue One and then Episode Eight, it's a, a little bit different, I think, because you and I want to review them, sort of in what works best for us in our viewing experience. <laughs> so it's not necessarily just about release date. So. Yeah, we'll we'll be jumping around. Like in my case, I will not read a novelization before the movie. Right. Yeah, I won't either. If the Rogue One novelization comes out like a month or two before the movie, we're not going to be reviewing that until after the movie. Um, Yeah, unless the book came out before the movie was made, like Harry Potter, then I read the book before the movie. Yeah, right. That's a different – yeah, a whole different case there. (laughs) That's different. Right. So let's jump into Aftermath. It was written by Chuck Wendig, who can I just say that I love, by the way, and I love him on Twitter. <laughs> He's <laughs> he is, one of the funniest, definitely, most people ever. Definitely an interesting follow. Um, he's very entertaining. And I think it's interesting, the response to this book, because you had the people that really loved the book and loved Chuck Wendig, and then you have the contingent of people that weren't as big of fans of his and didn't love the book. So it's kind of you love him or hate him kind of situation, but I think both of us are very much enjoying Chuck Wendig. Yeah, I just think he's really fun. So if you're not following him on Twitter, follow him. He's at Chuck Wendig. The release date for the book was September 4th, 2015. So Force Friday, right? Force Friday. Yep. And the publisher's summary is as follows. As the Empire reels from its critical defeats at the Battle of Endor, the Rebel Alliance, now a fledgling New Republic, presses its advantage by hunting down the enemy's scattered forces before they can regroup and retaliate. But above the remote planet 
Akiva. An ominous show of the enemy's strength is unfolding. Out on a lone reconnaissance mission, pilot Wedge Antilles watches Imperial Star Destroyers gather like birds of prey circling for a kill, but is taken captive before he can report back to the New Republic leaders. Meanwhile, on the planet's surface, former rebel fighter Nora Wexley has returned to her native world war-weary, ready to reunite with her estranged son and eager to build a new life in some distant place. But when Nora intercepts Wedge Antilles' urgent distress call, she realizes her time as a freedom fighter is not yet over. What she doesn't know is just how close the enemy is or how decisive and dangerous her new mission will be. Determined to preserve the Empire's power, the surviving Imperial elite are converging on Akiva for a top-secret emergency summit to consolidate their forces and rally for a counterstrike. But they haven't reckoned on Nora and her newfound allies, her technical genius son, a Zabrak bounty hunter, a reprobate Imperial defector, who are prepared to do whatever they must to end the Empire's oppressive reign once and for all. Yes! <laughs> This book is kind of a big deal, right? I love it when I can get through one of those things. <laughs> um, okay, regroup. <laughs> so we're getting the very first book that's canon that's set after Return of the Jedi. Right. Right? Yes. Because I guess Lost Stars came out the same time, and there's there's elements of Lost Stars that come Am I right? No. Is that after Return of the Jedi? Yes. Well, I mean, there's parts of it. So, yes. So there's it, Lost Stars spans the entire saga of the right. Star Wars. But it kind of ends. It ends like a year after Return of the Jedi. Right. I mean, it ends after the Battle of Jakku. Right. So there, there are actually elements in Lost Stars that take place beyond the timeline of this book, but this book is kind of a big deal because the entire setting of the book is set after Return of the Jedi. Um, and it's kind of the first that we're getting in canon like that. Um, and a lot of the, you know, legend stuff that, um, you know, is no longer canon was set after Return of the Jedi. So a lot of people are waiting to see, you know, what, what are they going to do in that era? And this is kind of the first taste we get of it. Right. And the one thing I can say, though, is I think this book has to be read one of two ways. And I think the reason that there are a lot of problems with the way people received this book is because I think there were too many people reading it the second way. So the first way and the way I think it should be read is that it's just another story after Return of the Jedi. And that's all it is. It's not it's not what I think most people were reading it as, which is reading it as version number two, which is that it was a bridge between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. And I think if you're reading it as a bridge from Return of the Jedi to The Force Awakens, you were sorely disappointed. But if you were just reading it as another story, then it was a lot easier to digest. Which I think could be, you know, at the fault of the way they marketed it a little bit. Mm-hmm. That they may have oversold the fact that it is a kind of a bridge novel. And you're right, it's not. It, and it really doesn't even look like it was intended to be. But I think they knew that if they, you know, kind of sold it that way, that they'd probably get more sales. So mm-hmm. um, they may tricky have... marketers. <laughs> so some of the criticism may have been their their own fault because of the way they marketed it a little bit. But uh, I think there's kind of a third way to look at this too that some people um, looked at it in a way that it was the replacement of 
um, you know, things like the Thrawn trilogy. And I think that, you know, obviously is, in my opinion, the wrong way to go at it. Um, they weren't writing the book Aftermath to, you know, to replace the Thrawn trilogy. It's not, you know, that wasn't the meaning of it. So I think a lot of people were coming in thinking, okay, you got rid of my legend stuff, so you better be putting something out there that's better um, and give me more of an epic story. And we're just not there yet with the new canon. They're not going to be giving us big Han, Luke, Leia stories yet um, set after Return of the Jedi. That stuff will probably come, but Aftermath is not that book. No, Aftermath is not that book. <laughs> and, if you came, yeah, and if you came in expecting it to be that book, you know, you're definitely going to, you're probably going to be disappointed. Yeah. And I really wasn't expecting this book to be any of that. And I think I come at it from a different perspective than you in the sense that I have read little to none of post-Return of the Jedi books. I mean, I've read what we've read for the show, really, since the show started. Now what are we on like almost two or three years now um we're going so, on three know, years next month is it three yeah, yeah that's what i thought so like i prior to the show i was really focusing on trying to read everything in timeline and i was stuck at the beginning because they kept adding crap to the beginning of the timeline and so i never really made it to anything post return of the jedi and i still haven't like to this day and that's not just my fault. Um, they started publishing a lot of things recently, a lot of things, so I don't have time. But due to that, I don't really have a comparison, like to compare this to previous or whatever. So this is sort of all new to me as post-Return of Jedi stuff, and I think that's kind of neat that I'm not – I wouldn't, I don't, I don't know. Clouded is a negative word in this particular instance, and I don't mean it that way, but like my view on it isn't affected by that because I'm starting fresh with the new movie and all of this stuff as post Return of the Jedi and in canon books, which I know the others were not. So it's, it's neat for me. Yeah, you're at a bit of an advantage, I would say. Um, in that everything that you're taking in is kind of new. It's it's building this universe from a, a clean slate. Whereas I think clouded is actually a word that's that's that works in this situation. That uh, people that were really into the post Return of the Jedi, um, you know, expanded universe, they definitely do have a little bit of a clouded vision when you're coming into the new stuff because it's hard. As much as you try not to compare, sometimes it's hard not to. But yes, I am. I think that made sense. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm determined to not compare. So as I'm reading Aftermath, I have I'm not thinking about anything that's from the expanded universe or from the Legends universe, because that's a whole other thing. And so what I'm reading here is just new characters. You know, the the EU had to start with new characters at some point. You know, there were all these characters that we you know a lot of people that did read the the post Return of the Jedi stuff fell in love with characters like you know Jaina Solo or Karan Horn. Or you know any number of characters that they introduced as brand new characters in the novels, um, but those characters di characters didn't exist when those novels were you know before those novels came out, and so we're kind of in a place now where we're getting new characters like Nora Wexley or um, you know 
Sinjir, you know, we're getting these new characters that right now, sure, they're brand new and we don't have any kind of history for them, so maybe they're not meaning as much to us, but these characters are going to continue to show up in more books. And eventually, they will probably mean just as much to us readers as some of those old characters used to. Right. It might just take some time. You know, the the Expanded Universe was around for years, and it took people time to grow and learn to love some of these characters. And some of the some of the storylines had like 15 books, <laughs> New Jedi were. So it's just one of those things that it's just going to take pe- people just have to mourn the loss and then learn to love the new. <laughs> it takes time. And but, it's just the first book of a trilogy, right? That right. They've announced. So, I mean, we're just getting the first the first part that we've read so far. But I think it's it's probably setting up a much bigger story. And I'm actually pretty excited about, you know, where it seems the next book is going um, with Life Debt. Mm-hmm. So I guess let's start off just kind of talking about the plot. Did you did the plot stick out to you? Like, was it important to you? Because I know there's some people that were saying like the plot fell flat. Um, I would say, I mean, overall, I'll t- I'll just tip my hand now. Overall, I did like this book. I actually um, enjoyed specific elements of it. I really liked a lot. Overall, as a story, um, it wasn't as that wasn't its strongest point, I guess you could say, but I didn't think it was a bad story. It just, it wasn't as engaging. Um, I think the way the story was told, it, it did come across as very broken. Um, and I don't know if the, you know, the, the inclusion of the interludes may have had something to do with that. Although I enjoyed the interludes, you know, when you're first reading the book and you get to that first interlude and they're introducing these new characters and you're like, Oh, here's some new characters I need to learn about. And then those characters never show back up, you know, and then you kind of get that as you get to each interlude, you're realizing, Oh, this is, these are just like really short asides that really don't have anything to do with the overall story. Um, and once you kind of wrap your mind around the way the book is laid out, it starts to make more sense, but it takes a little while the first, you know, however many chapters to kind of start to realize the way that you're supposed to be taking the book in. Um, and it's so different than any other Star Wars book that's ever come out that um, I could see why some readers had a hard time with that. Yeah, and I actually agree with you as far as my sentiments go about the book. I think it's a good book. I think that I enjoyed the read. Now, I, unlike you, didn't necessarily just read it. I actually audiobooked it. And so for me, it was sort of easy to digest because it's being read to me with voices and sound effects and stuff. So that made it pretty cool. Um, I can say like, I'm not super invested in the new characters and I'm not really invested in the story. So life debt's coming and that's great and all, but I'm not super excited for it. I'm not dreading it. Like, I don't feel like it's homework that I have to do or anything, but I'm just not really attached to anybody right now. And that bums me out because when I read, I like to be attached to characters. I did quite like the interludes. And when it's an audiobook format, I think the interludes are maybe make it less disjointed. And now, when the first one happened, I was because Mark Thompson is the is the reader for the audiobook, and he's like, 
interlude. And you're like, what? It's audiobook intermission? Oh, he says the word interlude? Yeah, he goes, yeah. interlude. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and so then you get the story and then it's like chapter nine. And you're like, oh, all right. So I was just in a theater for a play and there was just an intermission. And so the first time that happened, I was like, hmm. And then the next time it happened, and it's like interlude. I'm like, all right, so this is a thing that happens in this book, apparently. Because when you're listening to an audiobook, you can't flip through it and go, are there more of these? You know, and try to just like flip through it and see if there's more interludes. So that was sort of a, <laughs> an interesting thing. But I actually really liked the interludes a lot. And as I read it, something occurred to me that this book is really modeled after the sentiment of war like the disjointedness the cutting away to different parts of the galaxy to sort of look at the way that the war is affecting the whole entire galaxy as a whole is very strongly emphasized by the, the interludes and the disjointedness of the book and it makes it feel like what war feels like and I think that was a really cool parallel, whether they meant to do it or not. But, you know, we just got done with an intergalactic war here. It's yeah. supposed to feel weird. It kind of reminds me, I don't know if you ever read the novel World War Z. No. Okay. It's that's. It kind of reminds me of that book is basically, you know, an entire set of just these little stories that are telling the state of the world at the time after a zombie apocalypse. Um, so kind of the idea in Aftermath is all of these interludes are just setting the stage or not, or it's just giving you a peek into where the galaxy stands in these different places. You know, we got Tatooine where we get to see what Tatooine's like now that there's the fall of, you know, Jabba the Hutt's, you know, cartel or whatever has fallen. So now what is Tatooine like? Or what is Cloud City like after this? And we get to see these peaks inside of that, which I think in my in my perspective, was almost better than the actual story of the book. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I found now, those things more interesting. Them. Not all of them, but there were several that there, I was yeah. down for. There were some key ones that really stuck out. What? So what were a couple of your favorite interludes? So one of my favorites is when there's that junk dealer and I don't remember all the characters names can 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 I just say this really quick before we jump into this there was no dramatis persona at the beginning of this book they don't do them anymore I know which drives me bonkers I know because there were so many new characters that I've heard it referenced somewhere, and maybe it's just been in the time since the book came out now. I think I remember somebody saying, like, I need to do a spreadsheet to keep track of all these characters, which isn't really that far off because there are so many that I kept going, okay, wait, what? Who's who? What? Ah! <laughs> and I'm driving in my car, and my brain's like, I don't remember who these people are if I'm supposed to remember. So that was really hard. But... This junk dealer guy sells or has what he's saying is Darth Vader's lightsaber. So basically, he's selling Vader souvenirs, essentially. <laughs> and he's selling this lightsaber to the Dark Acolytes, I think is what they were called, or what they're calling themselves, or something like that. And 
they are like basically big followers of Vader and they they make a comment of like you know oh I don't want this to go to evil or something and they say like oh we're not evil yet mm-hmm. and stuff like that and so I'm like okay are these people like the future Knights of Ren like who are these people and it was neat being able to make that comparison because I'd already seen the movie and I could be like okay well Maybe that ties into that and, like, they're collecting Vader stuff or something. And maybe the Knights of Ren are people that are, like, obsessed with Darth Vader because they don't understand what he really did. Or because they're, you know, it's legend and they don't read history books. I don't know. So, or maybe it's not too, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, definitely. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I think that was one of the, before seeing the movie, you know, I read this book, um, you know, back in September. So it was, you know, there still wasn't very much known about the movie. I hadn't seen the movie yet, obviously. Um, So when I read this interlude, it was kind of like, wow, this might be the one that really ties in with The Force Awakens. You know, they're talking about Vader's lightsaber. There's this group. um, I forget what what they called themselves. They're They're like the Dark Acolytes or the Acolytes of Darkness or something like that. Okay. Yeah, I I actually pulled up the interlude here and I still can't find it because I'm not good at scanning stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, I thought that that might tie directly in with things that we see in The Force Awakens. Now, after seeing The Force Awakens, this is still kind of a mystery. We don't know, you know, if this woman who, you know, bought Darth Vader's lightsaber, you know, quote unquote Darth Vader's lightsaber, um, you know, if she's connected to the Knights of Ren, maybe she's connected to Snoke. Like, we really don't know. But maybe we'll find out more later maybe this is just something that we never find out how it's connected but um i know like one of the big things about the journey of the force awakens that they told us and even with oh oh i got it i got it it's on terrace the planet terrace and it's acolytes of the beyond ah okay so yeah one of the big things that they you know in the advertising of the journey to the force awakens was that there was going to be all these hints kind of sprinkled throughout the books Things that we would either, you know, we'd see in The Force Awakens or would reference things, planets, people. Um, and I, you know, now it's almost like I want to go back and reread and and see if there, and now you did read it after seeing The Force Awakens. So were there things that you noticed that kind of were direct call outs to things that were in the movie? I'm not good at that. No. to <laughs> <laughs> say, I'm not. I'm not good at that because I don't remember like names of ships and stuff and I don't remember things. You well, pointed out to me that from the visual dictionary that the star destroyer that's crashed on Jakku that the millennium that Ray flies through flies the Falcon through is the Ravager, right? Yes. Okay. In this book, in the epilogue and in the book in total, the Ravager is the last of the superstar destroyers. And in the epilogue of this book, the Ravager is still up in the air because Admiral Ray Sloan is on the Ravager and she was believed to be the person that was in charge of the Ravager. Only she's actually not. It's this other fleet admiral who they don't name and they don't describe. They just describe him as a guy. The big and that's mystery. all they Right. He's a big mystery character. But currently with where we are with the aftermath books the Ravager is still in the sky. Right. So there's that. And we I, know, I have yeah. that for you. 
Yeah, there, and that's that's a pretty big thing. So you know, I give them that. Um, but there were other things that I was trying to like, as I was reading some of these these interludes, I was thinking, oh, okay, this this is going to be something that's going to tie in later. This is you know the they there's the hint at um, Mandalorian armor found in Tatooine. Yeah, well, um, that hasn't that hasn't popped up anywhere yet. And it and it still might, but. Um, what were some other things? So we got Dengar fighting against this mysterious bounty hunter named something uh, Swift. And I'm thinking, oh, this guy's, you know, this is a character that's going to show up later because, you know, obviously he's like really cool and they're purposely dropping his name here. And, you know, he ends up not being in anything else either. So I think I was looking for things and kind of convincing <laughs> myself that things were going to show up later and then only to watch the movie and be like, oh, Okay, not really much other than okay, there there was the crash star destroyer. Um but other than that, there really wasn't a lot that was a direct connection. Well, and the only crash star destroyer that we are aware of from books is the star destroyer that Sienna Ree purposely crashes, which is the inflictor. Um which we see on Jakku as well. Right. So right. we see that there, but like that's the only one. There's you were talking about Cloud City. Well, that whole interlude on Cloud City ties into the mobile game of Star Wars Uprising. Ah. Uh, so there's that, like it ties into the mobile game. But it wasn't uh, the journey to Star Wars Uprising. <laughs> um, but there is that. You know, other than other than like the interesting like acolytes of the beyond lightsaber collecting Darth Vader stuff thing, I don't really know. I mean they mention Admiral Akbar and Mon Mothma and stuff, and we see Akbar in um, The Force Awakens. I guess there's the tie-in of Temin Wexley. Ah, uh, true. That's a good point. That's a pretty big, uh, pretty big uh, tie-in because he is a major character in this novel, and then mm-hmm. he has a speaking role in The Force Awakens. So yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I think some of the the just the state of the galaxy that carries over. Um, I think with um, them talking about the demilitarization of the the Republic um, definitely ties into the creation of the Resistance later on. So I mean, you know, there are threads for sure, um, but maybe not as obvious as maybe they or maybe I just read into it and expected it to be a little bit more obvious. But maybe they purposely kept it um, where things were still pretty vague. Mm, yeah I think a lot of these tie-ins may show up as the rest of the books come out true like the other two (laughs) so maybe we'll see more and we can stop looking for them now um I know that I need to find it because I found it earlier today that starwars.com did tie-ins um from aftermath with the star wars galaxy on starwars.com and i don't know if i'm going to be able to find it but if i do i'll talk about it i'll look for it while we discuss the book so So. well we've kind of like talked about the book as a whole and the the idea of the journey of the force awakens but we really haven't gotten into the characters um because they did we were going to talk about interludes you didn't say any of your favorite ones uh i i think the um we kind of talked about my favorite ones the one with the lightsaber was great um, I thought that the one with the bounty hunter and Dengar, I, I just liked the fact that Dengar was in it. I thought that was kind of cool um, mm-hmm. because he's a known character from, you know, Empire Strikes Back and the Clone Wars. Um, 
to see him kind of as an older bounty hunter, I thought was cool. And then also um, the idea of, you know, the other bounty hunter using Boba Fett as a distraction, um, you know, kind of like, hey, look, Boba Fett, you know, and Dangar's so, you know, he had he's had his his time with Boba Fett. So it was kind of cool to see Dengar like distracted by that. And uh, pretty much literally the only mention of Boba Fett um, so far in the post return of the Jedi era. <laughs> but um, yeah, so those were probably my two favorite ones. Um, I'm trying to think of, Oh, the Han Chewie one, the Han and Chewie one was great. And the, the Han I, and Chewie one was cool. But like the only thing for me is that it didn't, it doesn't go anywhere. So it's just sort of like, Oh, we're going to Kashyyyk. Okay. Bye. See, I think, I think that's actually a big setup for the next novel with it being called life debt. Um, you know, I think that's a direct reference to, you know, Chewbacca's life debt to Han Solo. And so I think that that is going to play a big part. What we saw in that little interlude is actually going to lead right into a bigger story. That's going to be in the next novel. That's kind of my prediction. Okay. So I found the article I was looking for. It's nine connections. Star Wars aftermath makes to the known Star Wars universe. So this is not necessarily directly to The Force Awakens. But there's the mention of Fulcrum and about Wedge Antilles being recruited for the rebellion by Fulcrum, who we know now is Ahsoka Tano. Right. So that's kind of cool. I, yeah, that was huge. Um, well, when I saw the name Fulcrum pop up, I was really excited to see that in this book. And the fact that now we know that Wedge Antilles actually had some sort of contact with Ahsoka Tano, which is... I don't know. I just think that's like two, two epic characters that I never thought would cross paths. So I thought that was kind of cool, um, the implications there. So their second thing is the mentions of Mustafar, because Wedge mentions it, that Darth Vader used to take Jedi there for questioning and execution. And obviously we know Mustafar from everything in the films, but also that Kanan was taken to Mustafar in the season one finale of Rebels. Right. Um, Admiral Ray Sloan making an appearance. She was in A New Dawn. And I was so happy for her to show up in this book because I loved her character. We already talked about Uprising, so the connection to Uprising, the mobile game. There is the references to Level 1313 and Dex's Diner on Coruscant. And level 1313 is the part of town where Ahsoka teams up with Ventress in the Clone Wars episode to catch a Jedi. Oh, right. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Um, we also we already talked about Boba Fett and the Mandalorian armor getting sold and stuff by Jawas and things like that. Then the same thing, the Han and Chewie interlude. And then, let's see, oh, Mon Mothma being the new chancellor of the New Republic, and that the Senate is now on, is it Chandrila, or, I think it's Chandrila. Chandrila, that's what I wanted to say, Chandrila or Chandrila. Anyway, so there's that, and that she still actually maintains the emergency powers granted to Palpatine, because they talk about that in one of those interludes, the one where she says she's going to put up a vote to reduce our military presence by 90%. Right. And then there is the message that they're sending out of Princess Leia saying that the Death Star has been destroyed as a hollow video for visual proof and that Palpatine had been killed. So there are those nine tie-in things since you were looking for tie-ins. <laughs> cool. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about the characters um, that we are introduced to. I think these are probably the characters that will be throughout the entire trilogy of these novels. I hope that some of these characters carry over. I, I wouldn't want it to be something where we get a story about these characters, kind of start to like them, and then ne never hear from them again. Uh, so, um, yeah, let's just talk about some of the characters. Okay. So I think kind of, well, first of all, I felt like we were cheated a little bit. Because in a lot of the the lead up to this novel, they were really fo focusing on or pointing out the fact that Wedge Antilles was in this novel. <laughs> yeah. But he really wasn't in this novel. He wasn't. He really wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> he, he kind of shows up at the beginning and then disappears for most of the book and then shows up again at the end. Um, but I definitely wouldn't say he was one of the core characters of the novel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think the core character, in my opinion, the main character of this novel was probably Nora Wexley. Yes, I would agree. And I actually quite liked her. Did you? Yeah. I felt like she's a very war-damaged, PTSD character who's also very conflicted because she made some decisions and left her son, who was obviously really young. And she's almost died like a billion times and in the Death Star. And so that mental dynamic of a character like having that much stuff that's sort of messed up inside of her head I actually like that okay I think out of out of all the new characters introduced I won't say she was my least favorite but I just didn't find her that interesting and so she definitely wasn't one of the ones that I was like oh yeah this is a character I really want to know more about um, it just for me personally she just it, it just wasn't that way for me did you um, like Temin? No, I mean... Temin got on my nerves. He yeah. was my least favorite. Like, I wanted to punch him in the face. Temin, to me, is kind of like the the Ezra Bridger of this novel. He's that kind of young character, a little bit cocky, a little bit, you know, bratty. Um, whereas when Ezra... When, when Rebels first started, I didn't really like Ezra at all. But as the show went on and the character grew, I like him a lot now. So I think that's kind of where Temin's at. You know, in this first novel, I wasn't a big fan, but I think as as the novels go on and the character kind of matures, um, I'll probably find him, uh, you know, a little bit more palatable. Yeah, I I'd imagine so, especially how we see him in the Force Awakens. So I would imagine he gets better, but in this book, I was just like, oh my god, you you need to be punched. I don't know. <laughs> he, <laughs> I, I mean, it is kind of cool, though, um, that he is Snap Wexley. Temin Wexley becomes Snap Wexley um, in The Force Awakens. So it does make the character a little bit more interesting to me now because now I know kind of his where he ends up. Um, mm -hmm. It almost makes me want to read the novel again with that perspective um, to look at the character a little bit differently. But, yeah, um, but one good thing that Temin brought to the table was Mr. Bones, Oh, I love Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones, I thought he's, was... He's the best. <laughs> he was genius. I thought that was such a genius thing to do that I never would have thought of. You know, the idea of this crazy battle droid. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was genius, and I really enjoyed that character. Mm, yeah, he was really cool. I did like him. He had an attitude, and he was all just like... In the first scenes we get with Mr. Bones are probably my favorite, where he's helping to, like... You beat up all those people. So here's one of my audiobook questions. Okay. What did Mr. Bones sound like 
Like a battle droid. Okay. Roger, roger. I didn't know because I, I've, when I was imagining him speaking, I was not imagining a battle droid voice. Hmm. Because I don't, no, I think. Battle droid voice. It, I, it's a little bit, it's a little bit modulated, but it was very much like roger, roger. I was kind of imagining more, maybe that same type of voice, but modulated down a lot, like a much deeper, maybe gravelly uh, type no, of voice. not really. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was, when you had said you had used the audiobook, I was like, oh. I wonder what Mr. Bones sounded like. He sounds like a battle droid. I'll have to find some clips, some audio clips. I can, yeah, I can probably clip it for you in Cinity. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, he was, he was, maybe I, th- I would say between him and Singer, mm-hmm. were probably my two favorite additions to the Star Wars universe and characters that I really want to see carried on, especially Singer, um, more so than Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones was cool to have around. Um, and he's probably one of those characters that, you know, he's a droid, you know, no matter what happens to him, you can always rebuild him. So he can be around for as long as they want him to be around. Um, but Sinjir, uh, I really did like that character, just kind of the, the attitude that he had kind of that bravado. Plus he, he just has this really interesting history. So I, I thought he, overall, he was my favorite of the new characters. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, I didn't attach to any of these, so I don't really have a favorite at all. I just liked them. I liked Sinjir, and I liked Jass, the bounty hunter girl. Um, she was good. Uh, she's, a, she's a Zabrak, so that was fun for me because I like Zabraks. Um, I don't know. I was, like I said, I'm not attached to any of them yet. So okay. we'll see. So we'll see how that goes. I just... I just never, I never made that connection. If there's any of them that I made the connection with, it would probably be Jash, just simply for the fact that she's a Zabrak and I know what they look like. So. <laughs> and I guess she's related to uh, Sugi from the Clone Wars. To Shugi, yeah. Shugi? Yeah, she's related to Shugi. Right. Yeah. So that was kind of, I like that tie, and I like it when they, I know a lot of people don't like it when there's too many relations, they think it makes the universe too small, but I actually kind of like those type of tie-ins, so I thought that was cool. Yeah, I like that too. That was a neat, neat thing. I also, just about writing style about this book, I like how it's a lot more, I don't know, I guess graphic may be the right word, because he uses a lot of vocabulary that really is just stuff we don't usually get in a Star Wars book. You know, like, he says stuff about blood and bloody stuff and things like that, and I'm like, yeah, tell it how it is, Chuck. (laughs) So, (laughs) I don't know. I didn't have a problem with it. I think some people might have, but I didn't. No, I think I definitely didn't. uh, Actually, it didn't even stick out to me. as being more graphic than other things that we've read recently. But um, the thing that did stick out to me was just the fact that it was written in that tense. The I think it's the present tense. Is that right? Um, that where you're basically in the action as opposed to it being told in a past tense, like it already happened. It's like it's happening as you're reading it. And I thought that was interesting. Um, it makes it feel a little faster paced, I think, when you yes. write it that style. And... Um, it, although it took a little while to get used to because it's something that's different for Star Wars. They, I don't think we've ever had a book that's written like this. Um, but once I got used to it, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, for me, it was just a really easy read or an easy listen. So I didn't really notice that. But when you're listening to a book rather than reading it, I think you notice certain things over others. So 
that didn't stick out to me. But it, the language spoke to me because, you know, I'm hearing people say the words rather than reading them off a page. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they're, you know, they're kind of setting up this, almost this group that I think will probably carry over into the next couple novels. Um, this this little group now that's kind of tasked to to kind of hunt down the the other Imperials. Um, and I think overall, I really, I like the characters they've introduced us to some I like more than others. Uh, but overall I'm, I'm pretty excited about the possibilities of, of where this can go. Right. We need to talk about the epilogue though. We need to talk oh, about definitely. that, that, yeah. that character, because I was talking to you earlier today and I think that this Admiral, whoever he is, I kind of think that he might be Snoke. Hmm. I know other people have other opinions, but I think that he could be Snoke. I really do. See, I've heard that uh, you brought that up today when we were kind of talking earlier. You had mentioned that, and I actually hadn't heard that theory, surprisingly, because I think it's out there now that I've looked around a little bit. Um, I even noticed in our Goodreads um you know, discussion about the book that people had brought up the possibility that that might be Snoke. Um, it never dawned on me, really. When I read it, I never looked at that character as being somebody that either, you know, someone like Snoke or somebody that we, maybe we already know. I know some people have thrown out the possibility that it's Grand Admiral Thrawn. I really no, think that it's that's not just Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, you'd be surprised. I um... I know. I know people think that. I'm just saying. I that's. <laughs> It's not Thrawn. Yeah, I think they're... I, I was talking to um, some other people about it, and they had kind of asked if what I thought, and I was like, I literally think there's a 100% chance that that is not Thrawn. <laughs> like, I wouldn't even give it, like, a 99% chance that it, it's it's not him. Um, but I think there's people that are holding out that hope. Um, but as far as it being Snoke, I really don't think that that would be the case. I think Snoke just seems like a different kind of character. He, you know, he obviously... You know, has something to do with the Knights of Ren. Seems like he's powerful in the Force. Um, seems like somebody that likes to work from the shadows as opposed to being on the bridge of a Star Destroyer. So maybe it's him. I'd be very surprised if it's him. I think it is. But yeah, you never know. I think this is my theory on it. I think it's just a new character that they're introducing to be kind of the big bad for this set of novels. And he'll be a big part of the next two novels. And it's going to be who they're kind of facing um, as the bad guy. Um, so maybe the Thrawn, quote unquote Thrawn of this series, but it's not going to be Thrawn. Um, and I don't think he's necessarily going to have a tie-in, you know, to the to the Force Awakens. I think he's just going to be for the novels. Probably they'll kill him off some at some point in the novels, and then that's the last we'll hear of him. Well, we'll see about that now, won't we? Definitely. But, I just wanted to make you say definitely. I don't think you've said that the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? I mean, it sounds like overall you liked the book. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I I liked it. I mean, I'm not attached to it by any means. I'm. It's like I want a sequel to Lost Stars before I want another aftermath book. Like. You know, or before I want life dead. Now, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm obviously going to have to wait for that. But it didn't, the characters just didn't hit me 
the same way that the characters from Lost Stars did. That's not to say that it's not a good book because it is a good book and I I like the the general story and all. I just you know, it's just that like being attached to the characters. It's just not there and I need to get attached to the characters. Like that's got to happen for me. Otherwise I'm going to be like <laughs> So if we're doing kind of the the Lost Stars comparison, I think I enjoyed Lost Stars more as a story and felt more engaged as I was reading through that. Um, but I think the when it came to the characters of Lost Stars, I'm not I'm not necessarily like hoping to learn more about those characters um, as much as I am about the characters that are in this book. So I think story wise, I enjoyed Lost Stars more. Character wise, I actually like this book more. Um, and I think there is a lot coming with these characters that have been introduced and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing you know where uh, certain characters go um, so yeah overall I really actually really enjoy this and the more I think back about the book the more I like it it was kind of one of those things where I read through it and was like oh that was all right but then I've talked to you know talked to people about it that are I have a friend right now at work that's actually reading it and he's kind of you know, as he's finishing a chapter, he's coming to me and talking to me about it. And I'm like, it's getting me excited about talking about the book again. And so, yeah, I think just the more I think back on it, the more I'm like, oh yeah, that was actually a really good book. And I'm really excited about the the sequel that's coming out. So it was surprising. I, I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. Yeah, I think, you know, I think you and I like different kinds of characters and different writing styles. So I could see how you would like these characters more and stuff like that, whereas I would like the others. But I also like the story in Lost Stars a lot more than I like the story in this one. But it's that young adult feel for me. Like, that's what it is. It's right. it's just more of my style of story. So, I mean, like, like you said, like, I I like the book. I don't, I don't want anybody to think I don't like it, because I do. I just, I'm waiting to get invested. Right. And, and I'm yep. hoping it happens. And if there's one, okay, if there's one character I'm invested in, it's Ray Sloan. Because I already liked her from A New Dawn. And I have a relationship with her. So it was easy for me to sort of attach to her. Because it was already there. Right. Yeah, and I think they're really setting her up to be a character that we're going to see a lot of. So it's um, she's a good one to pick. Because I think you're going to get plenty more about her. Oh, that's good. Yay! She's a bad guy, so I can't be a fan of hers. Oh, please. Yes, you can. <laughs> Although I, I, I have hear, heard people that kind of have uh, the theory that she will eventually, you know, kind of turn. Um, I think she might. She has, she's a little bit unstable. Like, she was kind of sort of thinking about her place in the Empire anyway. She she definitely is, but she's she's cold. She's kind of a cold-blooded character, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, she's going to end up turning and be part of the resistance eventually or things like that. I think she, you know, she's definitely driven by the need for power, which fits fits the Empire slash First Order uh, more than it does the resistance. Uh, so I'd be very surprised. Um, I think she is a very interesting character, but I think she's she's bad through and through. Yeah. Remember what you've said before. Everybody is redeemable. I'm not saying she can't be redeemed. But I, <laughs> I, I reserve that for the force users. So. 
I reserve that for force users. I don't think you can do that. Which um, it's kind of funny. I was actually one of the good things about having these books digitally is you can do word searches. And I was curious because, you know, you know, my taste in, in the Star Wars books, I like a lot of Jedi and I like a lot of lightsabers and I like the force and that type of stuff. And that hasn't been very prominent in, in the new canon, Um, you know, with a couple exceptions, but you know, these recent books have been more focused on the non force using characters. So I was just curious, like how many times is the word lightsaber mentioned in, um, aftermath? So I looked it up. Um, you have it. Venture a guess. How many times force users? You no, how is... many times is the word lightsaber? Oh, used? lightsaber. Yeah. Ten. Ten. Yes, you got it. Wow. Did you look that up? <laughs> no. Did you? Did... That is. I didn't. Wow. I'm actually looking at Card Trader while we're talking. I didn't know. <laughs> You've already checked out of this episode. Um. Yeah. Ten. Wow. Good guess. Yeah, it was ten times, and eight of those times were in the in the one interlude about Vader's lightsaber. Um, but yeah, ten ten mentions of the lights of lightsaber. In comparison, Dark Disciple had I think it was two hundred and forty four mentions of lightsabers. So Do you look this up. <laughs> yeah, because I was just curious, uh, just as a comparison, because you know I tend to like certain elements of Star Wars that really weren't in Aftermath. Um, the word Jedi is used thirteen times. Um, so yeah. But this is a, you know, there's always the exception and there are books that don't include Jedi or the Force that I that I end up liking, like Lost Stars and also like Aftermath. So um, I think I'm just maybe getting more used to them. Yeah. Got it. But, well, is there anything else in this novel that you wanted to, to bring up before we wrap up this episode? Not that I can think of. I mean, other than, like, I thought it was good. All right. I, I, I liked mean, it too. I don't know. <laughs> and I know this one was one of the ones, you know, there was kind of a, almost a campaign, you could say, against this novel, um, which I thought was kind of ridiculous. Um, and, you know, I think because of that, it did get some mixed reviews. But um, I'm going to say, yeah, I, I, I would definitely give it a positive review. I, I definitely liked it. And I, I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, me too. I mean, not as much as a sequel to Last Stars, but right. yeah. <laughs> we know, we know. <laughs> I think you'll get it. I think I think uh, uh, I think Lost Stars was popular enough. I think we'll we'll see that continue in some way. I hope so. So, well, really on our next episode, I don't think we know what we're reviewing yet. I don't think we do. We have we, we have quite a list of things that we can choose from. We have some comic oh, volumes. Oh yes, we do. I know what we're doing. What's that? We Bef- are doing Before the Awakening and a look at the. Star Wars Visual Dictionary by Pablo Hidalgo. Oh yeah, that's what we're doing. We did talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're sticking with the Force Awakens stuff, um, and yeah, we'll be doing before the Awakening and the Star Wars Force Awakens um, Visual Dictionary. Right. Great. Which are both really good reads. So I'm looking forward to talking about them. Me um, too. Yeah. So that's what we'll be do- talking about in our next episode. Yeah, so on Twitter, you can find us. We're at SWBookworms, and you can send us an email to the show. We don't get a ton of email, so let's fix that. If you're listening to the show, send us an email. All it has to do is say hi, and it's StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com, and we'll read it on next show. Unless you just say hi. We might not read that. I will read that. You will read it? Okay. 
You know someone is going to do that now. I hope they do. <laughs> you can also like us on Facebook. That's where we put uh, the latest updates for books that are coming out, maybe some cool covers, um, things that we like. Uh, we'll be talking about that over at Facebook. And you can leave us a review on iTunes. If you listen to our show and you enjoy it, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes, leave us a nice five-star review. And you can find Teresa on Twitter, Ice Cold Penguin, at Ice Cold Penguin. That's on Twitter and Instagram, right? Right. And I am at A.V. Goins. So, until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you.